time they had passed out at Carl's house. I like he's cleaner than John Wayne Gacy or Bob Berdello. Plus, he moved a lot, so he had limited stuff. Yeah, he was upset. And he never asked him to go. So, like, I would say he would not like the best cleanest bathroom, but I think King Coral would probably have, like, a modestly clean. I mean, yeah, if he used John Wayne Gacy's bathroom every time he flushed it, he'd corpse because he brought the chick over there. There's that. Oh, you know, D. Coral had the bodies rot, like, buried away at the lake. Them. Under the boat shed. I thought it was safe. So, I, I don't mean, think it was actually by a lake. I think it was just in a random boat shed. Oh, yeah, in the middle of the woods. In the middle of the fucking outside of Houston. Yeah, like, I don't know. I put up a cowboy hat, too. Strap mine. On his stomach, spread eagle on the oh, board. Did you buy another one? Strap round up. Yeah, Patrick. Oh, that's right. Back. I forgot. That was the same. First, you wanted Tim to take round of the tail. Are you recording? Cutting yeah. her, he wasn't her. Uh, you want to be a cowboy, baby? And so he <laughs> wanted so me I'm to a, take I'm her. And, Art Bell and he was going to mess with Tim. Henley said at one point, We're bringing Carl the truth to you. He picked it up, ordered Carl to Plus release the other victim, but he refused. We're going to Houston. And Henley Texas. says he shot oh, the guy repeatedly. South, Henley's baby. initial story makes it sound as if he was But police suspicions were confirmed the next day. Henley said he had been involved. I'll still keep it all. Do it. We'll do it. We'll you just got, do it. Learn about the business, man. The business of how to record a podcast and the business of dead boys. Well, that's not playing them. I don't know why I'm playing that now. Yeah, I took it. I took took it I off. I lost but, my momentum now. Fuck. But the business of dead boys. Yes, that's what this episode is all about. And there's a lot of dead boys. There, we're gonna get to a lot of dead boys. Some buried under oh the boat shed. Some at the lake and some at the beach even. So. There's there's boys fucking everywhere, just dead boys everywhere. It's the 70s. <laughs> All right, early 70s, man, 1973. Well, Let's start it off. We talked about this, so we're going to start about how we talked about this years ago. We're so we make, even do... Gonna, no, we're going to do... We're going to talk about the hit. We're going to talk about how we, be, how we did this, and so... How we did this? Well, now, no, I did not commit talk, any no. of these crimes. <laughs> Well, how we talked about beginning this, which was we're going to start with this tidbit. And uh, unfortunately, I don't remember the date right now for this. So let me get your reference. I, I was going to. We're going dude, to the I, end. All right, big shot. I'll let you fucking do it. Because you're going to like this too. August 8th, 1973, motherfucker. All right, you know the date I'm looking for. I like that. <laughs> he knows exactly what I'm looking for. All right. You want to lead it in then? Also, it's, we came. It came from the shed, and I'm um, goose. That siege. That's comedy shitty. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess before we really before we. We did do the intro. Yeah, well, well, I'll edit fix that. I don't care. Maybe not. I like how I don't do it sometimes. It's funny, but um, yeah, it came from the shed. Um. We oh my, my bad. August seventh. August seventh. All right. Before we get into that, of course, Goose Siege. We got Actually, Conway no, Shitty. I was that right. August 8th. August 8th. But Conway Shitty's is <laughs> back on the podcast. And we got Paige here. So, how do you, I guess. Paige is just like, how many dead boys? <laughs> Wait, wasn't it? Uh, isn't that the day you were born, August 8th? Close. <laughs> no, wasn't that Ian? Somebody. 
I was born <laughs> like no. If you really want to remember my birthday, just remember when uh, fr- uh Jason goes to hell came out. I was born the same day that movie came out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like he's gonna magically know a date that. I mean, I know the date because it's obvious. Like the but the most famous thing, like of all the d- things that could have happened to me, like that was considered one of the shitty movies in the series, and I wonder if that's a parallel to my life. Dude, that's the best one. Oh. <laughs> it does have one of the best kills. The one where it they're does. Plus, plus, plus. There might be an evil. There's. There might be an evil dead. Or I can you know? And a Freddy reference. Wasn't the Necronomicon? In oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it was confirmed that Jason is a dead de- deadie from from the director of Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he talked about it. He confirmed that in his movie, Jason is a evil being from. There is another connection. I don't know if they've anybody's caught on to this how much is talked about, but like in Mortal Kombat 10, you can like play as Jason <laughs> and fucking um uh, and fucking uh, Ash. And Freddy too, right? No, you you, know, you can play as Freddy, but you can also play as Ash. Well, they were supposed to make uh, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash for a while. It um, be, we're like, way off subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Alright, I want to warn the audience, we're about to talk, well as you can't tell already from what we were trying to get into earlier, this is a heavy episode, so if you're sensitive to like, extreme graphic content. I mean, this is brutal fucking shit. We're gonna be getting into the gruesome fucking details. It's fucking kids too, so it's um, heroin. And, uh, and if you get spontaneously hard while listening to this... You said probably. Please don't talk to me. <laughs> well, of course, don't talk to us. Please don't even message us. I know we're talking about this shit, but like, if this turns you on, yeah, don't. Uh, uh, I don't really. Uh, You'll see a therapist. Yeah. Come talk to me. I'll be your therapist. You gonna bring them to Christ? Because <laughs> some people may need that after hearing this. Yeah. I mean, we. Man, we got everything from 18-inch double dildos to fucking making brothers <laughs> fight each other to death for freedom. Uh, handcuff tricks. <laughs> a lot of handcuff tricks, a lot of party, and a lot of rock and roll, man. Weed, you know, some beers, brewskis, <laughs> but, you know, chill with the homies. Sometimes, sometimes you're chilling with the homies and you drink too much and go to sleep, and when you wake up, you're on a torture board. <laughs> and that's where that's the moral of the story <laughs> so you said April 8th right August 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 8th Wayne Elmer Wayne Henley with this uh, with two other people had gone to this house his friend um, Tim Curley and Rhonda Williams and they went there to get away because Rhonda Williams was trying to run away. She had a bad situation at home. And she and went. Wayne was trying to hit it. Yeah. And Dean Coral comes home after work. Well, he might have already been there because they got to his house late at night. They went to get sandwiches. I thought he might have been after work. Maybe. Because I thought they were already there and he just happened to come home on them being there. Um. I may be wrong on that then. 
They were out at Coral's house where they sniffed paint fumes and drank alcohol until midnight. Um, they, I think <laughs> Coral is already there. I think. All right. Well, he does help the he does help provide drugs and death for the booze because all these a lot of huffing pain in this story. That doesn't surprise me. But <laughs> it all goes wrong. Dean Coral throws a vicious fit. He he gets really upset because. See, what, uh, Elmer Wayne Henley. Well, let's, oh. just, yeah, yeah, let's not even give him the cool name Wayne Henley. Let's just say Elmer Wayne Henley. You <laughs> know? Just call him Henley for now. Wait. Elmer. Elmer. Let's just call him Elmer. <laughs> Elmer. <laughs> <laughs> but Dean Curl got furious that Elmer had brought to his house a girl. Ew, it's a girl. <laughs> and so he throws over bad rage. A little hissy fit. It, it evolves to the torture board. Well, well, they pass out. He he acts like he calms down, and so they get they party it up and pass out. And that's when they wake up to the torture board. <laughs> but Elmer had managed to talk <laughs> his way after coming conscious. Well, he talked his way out of it by saying, "I'll rape and murder my friend, while you rape and murder my other friend." And well, almost considering it in an act of woman of clarity, I guess he snapped because he yep. had said he had enough and grabbed the gun. I think the quote was, Dane, you can't just keep killing all my friends. <laughs> and so he managed to find the nearby gun and shoot down Dean Coral after he charged him. And then while Dean Coral was fully, well, fully, nude, fully naked, and about to rape. One of his so, friends. <laughs> uh, he was, so, I think last podcast might have pointed this out. He was probably fully erect. Charging. In mad fury, about to be shot down. But my theory... kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should check out the cover for... My, my thing, but my, my, my thing is, uh, there is pictures, but my, my thing is, I'm wondering, I'm wondering... He kept saying, kill me, Wayne. Why don't you just kill me? Do you think he might have wanted to be killed? Like, do you think he was just well, fed I mean, up with his fucking He was like what? Life? In his late 30s or like... Early 30s. Early 31, I believe. Oh, I thought he was older than that. Well, damn. Well, he managed to get away pretty much with his cries. I mean, he never... 33. He was 33. All right, yeah, that's way younger than I thought. That's the same age Jesus was. Is that real? Strange. <laughs> strange. You know what's strange about that? One of the only things in Dean Coral's room was a poster of a Jesus-like figure that said, love. But was it Jesus? Jesus-like figure. I don't I don't know if it was exactly Jesus. Did Jesus have the candy, yo? Well, he gave Dean the power to make the candy. Oh, shit. They say people trusted him more than the Boy Scout leaders and the church leaders in this community, yo. Well, um, if you keep listening to that podcast, you will eventually find out what the Boy Scouts has has to do with all that other stuff. Well, of course, there's a lot of sketchy controversy going on with the Boy Scouts in like what the past ten years, especially. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Which but, is crazy because I used to be in the Boy Scouts, but uh, I was a Boy Scout. 
I actually still have my uniform somewhere, but that's How many boys did you learn to fucking I still bury? Wear my, I, still wear, <laughs> I still wear my Boy Scout uniform sometimes. I want to see. You probably look adorable. <laughs> Conway shitty in the Boy Scout uniform. I got kicked out for smoking weed, I think. <laughs> yo, that's kind of why I quit the Boy Scouts. I started smoking weed like six months after I quit, yo. <laughs> How does it count if you started smoking weed six months after well, you quit? I kind of started drinking around the town, and then it led to me just getting into weed. <laughs> um. Also, is it true that they teach you how to hide a grave? I didn't learn that, so I can't say that. Oh, okay. Um. It didn't take me, like, I did get to learn to go camping and fish, so that, that I did that at least. Yeah, I didn't get, I, I wasn't touched or nothing. <laughs> just for the audience's reference, he just did the glance, by the way. He did the glare like I was touched. <laughs> he, he, he's definitely affirming something here that he doesn't want to tell. God, me. all the true crown podcasters are just going to despise us. We're horrible. In um, the best ways or the worst ways. Anyway, so there's a dead naked man, three teenagers. Wayne Henley called Elmer Wayne Henley calls the fucking cops. Now, why does Wayne call the cops? I guess he called the cops because he could have gotten off of self-defense. But why did he? Do you think he was felt guilty and that's why he let I him? I do think he felt guilt. I think do you he think really that's did why. Snap. Like at that moment, he finally just said, "Like I've helped out enough. Like I think it can happen, even with the worst of people. Where like it gets to be enough, and you snap happen in a way that." Even though after all that fucked up shit, it may work out for the best. Like, he confessed, and, like, he helped, you know, by that confession and all, and him killing uh, Dean Coral, there's at least been closure for these families to at least know what happened to their children. Right. Because he was innocent. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you saying David Brooks and Elmer Wayne Henley actually set up Dean Coral? Are you are you funding their defense funds? Are they are misinformation agents. Do you, do you, do you, are you like helping out in their commissary and shit? Yeah, well, I send in West Virginia all the time. <laughs> well then. Paige is one of their um fans or whatever, biggest fans. Oh, God. Do you think Dean Cora would have OnlyFans if he was alive right now? Oh, what if, like, Probably. if Dean Cora had access to, well, no, I don't even want to think about if he had the internet, you know? uh, I think he would have just still been a pedophile. He probably killed some just boys. Just access to the dark web, though. Would you pay for his OnlyFans? Would you subscribe to it? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> would you want to see the content? No. No, of course not. You wouldn't be, like, curious? Hell no. <laughs> I have morbid curiosities, but, like, that's just... Like, I will even, like, you know... Like, if Casey Anthony guy goes fucking... Like, does the fucking hustler shit. I'll, I'll look at that, but, like... If I could time travel back to the 70s and fuck Rose West in her prime, I would. See? But then, go, like, Dean Cole and all the fans, like... Nah. No, of course not. That's yucky. I mean, Rose West is yucky too, but that's a whole nother yuck. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, dead boys. Yeah, let's we'll get back. <laughs> so with that, we just introduced, this is how we're going to introduce our story of Dean Coral. 
I'm a Houston mass murders. Pew, pew, pew. No, it's not very rock and roll. It's very sad, actually. <laughs> it's very dark, too. It's we'll dark and it. sad. But we will reference some reference books just for y'all to check out. The Man with the Candy has been very informative to us. Me and Goose have read this book. Multiple uh, times. <laughs> and we also have, and as we said, the reference book we have on hand, which we're kind of using right now, is The True Story of the Houston Mass Murders by Jack Rosewood. I don't think he's going to like that we call it a reference book, but that's really what it is. Yeah, I mean, I flipped through it like as I got through that book in like two days. Yeah, I got through it quick, and it's like a Wikipedia page with some extra info. Yeah, really, like, and I guess it also like helps tell us that we've like read a lot of lot of stuff, and you've told me a lot of stuff about this over the years. And another reference we used was the Lost Boys by, what's his name, Skip Hollinsworth. I think that was his name. That long, that article we read back in the day, that was really sad. Had all the moms in it. And, also, <laughs> back in fucking the day, remember. Kid, he you had remember. also <laughs> bought, you had gotten in contact with the directors of a certain movie that was a biopic of these events, too. Yeah, in a madman's world. And it also happened to be the last story feature that featured, um, uh, what's her name from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, her name's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, I keep forgetting because I feel bad because I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre now. Though I'm still, off the record, by the way, off topic, love Texas Chainsaw Massacre too much. Marilyn Burns. Yeah. yeah. Grayson got me into Texas Chainsaw too. That movie's so bad. That's a whole story for another time. Um, oh, yeah, God, Texas 2. Actually, fun fact, um, I believe the character, the chef, the bro older brother in the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie was inspired by Elmer Wayne and Henley, how he changes his, like, personality so much. Whoa. Ooh. Getting deep here. <laughs> He's throwing out theories, you Where's know? the Texas Chainsaw 4 connection? Man, that's for a whole other episode, homie. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, that's, that's weird. We're going to have to get real deep into that one. Okay, so so we start the story off with the birth of the, of the Candyman. The birth of the greatest monster in America. The Candyman known as Dean Coral, who also was buried for all for reference with a 21-gun salute. Yeah. Because he was in the military, right? American hero! <laughs> Though there's actually some controversy about his military time. Yeah, I read some. He learned that. how to, uh, he was a radio technician and he learned how to use electricity a lot, which comes into play later. <laughs> <laughs> Getting dark. Not yet, though. We got way further to go down. Dean Arnold Coral was born December 24th, 1939. Fucking Christmas Eve, baby. Fucking <laughs> God gifted us this man for Christmas. This is God's country, yo. What the fuck you talking about? And he was born in Houston, was he born in Houston? No. Alright, where was he born? Does it say? <laughs> Fort Wayne, Indiana. Huh. Well, that's yeah, not Texas. Ain't that wild? Well, he's born in God's land, and God gave us this God-American creature, y'all. 
His mother's name was Mary Emma Robinson. She actually passed away in 2010. And his father was Arnold Edwin Coral. Well, think about that. She looked at all the years having to deal with the, like, thought that her son was... See, I, I'm pretty sure she probably died proclaiming his innocence. She did in the book, yo. <laughs> and man with the candy, she was like, even to the very end, like, just kept talking how good he was. Damn, so, Dean Coral most likely probably would still be alive now then, huh? I if mean, he wasn't shot to death. If he was caught, he would probably be alive. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I think is like one of the greatest. That's the thing, though. Do you think he would have eventually gotten caught, or do you think he would have just fucking? I mean, we'll get to it, but he could have just—he almost just dipped off to another city and started all over. Yeah, it is hard to say because if he had got caught, you know, I feel like he would have had the proper repercussions. I think him dying the way he did is still getting off way easy for the crimes he committed, like. To me, oh, it's yeah. no real karma for what he's the horrible, horrible things he's done. The only thing I could think of is he kind of shamed and disgraced his family by. And to me, that's still like very weak. That's just, I mean, he he ruined twenty eight plus other families. So, but it's you know, let's get into <laughs> it. So this fucker was born. Um, I think her his mom remarried his dad like twice. I don't like being the main dude reading all this. See, do you want to take over? I mean, I, whatever. Dean was a shy, serious child. He regularly socialized with other children, but at the same time displayed concern for the well-being of others. Which he carried all the way to the very end. Like they said, if you ever needed him to change your tire, he would be there to help you if he could. And you know, weirdly enough, he did love those boys. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. When he was seven years old, he suffered an undiagnosed case of rheumatic fever. Um, this wasn't recognized until 1950, until in 1950, when uh, he had a heart murmur. What the fuck is this shit? A heart murmur? Yeah. It's like when your heart beats irregularly. So, like, it can actually be painful, because, like, sometimes I have problems with that a little bit. Like, not severe enough for me not to see a doctor yet. But, like, when your heart stops beating irregularly, like, it can be really painful. Like, it can just start literally skipping beats. Hmm. It's actually not a good thing for that to happen. Was his heart healthy enough for sex with those boys? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Ooh. What if, that would have been some shit. What if he just died from a heart attack or something like, while in the middle like, of a torture <laughs> session? Uh, because of this uh, disorder, he was told to avoid PE at school. Huh. <laughs> so not a sports kid. Not a sports guy. Neither was I, but... <laughs> Look at me. I have so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> So, eventually, after many years of divorce and marriage and divorce, Coral's mom married a traveling clock salesman named Jack Jake West. <clears throat> That's when the family moved to the small town of Vidor, Texas, which is, um, from all accounts, one of those racist, piece-of-shit fucking little towns that's all throughout the South. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, when you say places like that, and I think Texas, you know, 
I mean, this, <clears throat> there's towns like this all throughout. Like, you know how we went through Alabama and some of Mississippi? It, we probably passed the outer limits really, of some of those like towns. Here in North Carolina, like, I don't want to say, I'm not going to say the word, obviously, but, like, you know, it used to just say, get out. <laughs> yeah, get out, or... Something I, like that. I think Vidor was... It was, like, like, that used to be up till the 90s, I think. Yeah. So that This is that kind of town. But, um... The salesman dude got fucking Dean Coral's mother and stepfather into a starting candy business. Um, <laughs> no, wait. <laughs> a pecan nut salesman, Coral's mother and stepfather, upon advice from a pecan nut salesman, Coral's mother and stepfather started a small family candy company named Pecan Prince. Real professional shit. And this is funny because it doesn't end here. There's actually competition. That yeah, they get into get, some competition and stuff. It, it gets really personal, actually. <laughs> In the earliest days of a business, Cora worked all day and night while still attending school. And uh, pretty much it was an all-family-run kind of fucking deal, you yeah, know? his co-worker said he was actually one of the best candy makers. <laughs> okay so Coral in high school he attended Vidor, Texas Vidor High School from 1954 to 58 he was a well behaved student um, had normal satisfactory grades um, considered somewhat of a loner although he had known to occasionally date girls in his teenage years <laughs> in high school, Coral's only major interest was playing the trombone. So you gotta watch out for the trombone players, man. Especially, especially when they get a little rusty. <laughs> God damn, you live up to their names. God bless you. So, after he graduated high school, the family pretty much was like, fuck this place. And they moved and they moved with their candy business to the outskirts of Houston, Texas. Y'all know what that is, right? You know, you know that city, Houston? No, yeah, the home of uh, chopped and screwed and lean. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe Minnesota doesn't exist, man. Told you, and I don't believe you. You think Dean Coral was swinging on fours? <laughs> <laughs> you think Dean Coral would add a lifted truck? So, the candy business was pretty booming. They were doing good, right? But in 1960, at the request of his mother, Coral moved to Indiana to live with his widowed grandmother. With some. I believe in the reference book, they said they found possibly his first victim underneath the floorboards of his grandmother's house, correct? Oh my god. Something like that when they went back, like, yeah. had to go through, like, going through places, like, his history. I believe there is a rumor. I'm not, I can't confirm that, though. Keep talking, piece of shit. <laughs> I thought you had something to say, but yeah. Um,. After moving to Indiana, he still kind of had a rough time. He still spent a lot of time alone, just mostly working on the farm, most people would say. He would try to go to school, you know, keep up his grades some, but 
as they said, he would mostly just like try to make a little money work and send even to his mom while he was living with his grandma. Because, like, you know, with his mom and no, uh, going through the divorce with his uh, stepfather, I believe, at this time. Or is it his actual. No, it's his stepfather. Um, I found the reference for the. What I, we were just talking the about. Body under the floorboard? Yeah. For a time, Coral lived in Fort Wayne with his grandparents. In 2015, a man discovered human bones. Bones considered to be those of a human child in a crawl space beneath his home. He apparently suspected the bones were human and posted photos on Facebook for confirmation, leading to a visit from a police who confiscated the human fev femur. Hmm. <laughs> so what 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 happened with that? Is it a dead boy? Well, I mean, there's the whole potential that Dean Cole may be involved in the sex trafficking ring to a degree. Um, he yeah. That money somehow. We'll get into it. We're still way before that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole thing, you think the stereotype of, like, pedophiles giving out candy comes from Dean Coral? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. White van, too. Yeah. White van. He is the definition of creepy pedophile. Like, everything you've been warned against was Dean Coral. I don't know if that was, like, on accident or if he just kind of fused himself into pop culture, even though he's not very well known anymore. Right. But I, I don't know. That's a good question. I think so. Yeah. It has to be, right? It has to be. <laughs> so. So, yeah, he, he's, like, working on the farm a bit, keeping up his grades in Indiana with his grandparents. And after this, shortly after this, he gets drafted into the fucking army. I do believe that while he's out there, he does find a girlfriend for a little while. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he, I did read that. Yeah, yeah, he did have, like, a fiancé or, well, they were talking about getting married or something, right? Yeah. During this period of time, Coral formed a close relationship with a local girl, although he rejected a subsequent marriage proposal she made to him in 1962. Coral lived in Indiana for almost two years, but returned to Houston in 1962 to help the family's candy business, which by this date has moved to the Houston Heights, where he later moved to an apartment of his own above the shop. And it's actually not a bad city. It's kind of booming, building up. The Houston boom's kind of happening. People moving there, the businesses. They're still a little secluded neighborhoods. Kind of stuff that you would probably like describe around here sometimes in North Carolina. Like, people say, like, which is also made weird when they saw David Brooks driving, like, the car Dean Cole gave him. Like, while well, it was really nice, because they said even, like, the most well-off families, even in the area, didn't really have that nice a car. And so, like, you know, that's the kind of place we're talking about. Like, this is still, like, about the 50s we're talking about? No, this is 1964, you piece of shit. I just said that. <laughs> All right. I, I because <laughs> I just said he got drafted into the United States Army on August 10th, 1964. Oh, uh, yeah. I fucked up. I get it. Can't do, we can't ever have a serious podcast because of you. We can't ever do anything serious. 27 young boys were murdered, and all you can do is fuck up the information. I'm kidding. I've been fucking up information, too. <laughs> we're all guilty here. And that's what makes this fun while we're not like the others. But it does make sense that his first murder was like outside of the Heights because his first confirmed murder from the Houston Mass murders 
Um, he pretty much showed that he knew what he was doing, you yeah, know, lime on the body wrapped in plastic. Yeah, was like the first one. <laughs> no, for real, months. like... Yeah, I read about that, yeah, like the lime. Yeah, the first murder that he could be confirmed to pretty much points towards that he's been doing this for a minute. Was he the first person to say would have a confirmed kill? He probably was the first, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the but what they didn't know was the kill came from the neighborhood. Dun dun dun. Shocking. <laughs> so yeah, he does end up getting drafted to the military too. And do you think he learned any like good skills for like getting away from like helping get away with his crabs during the military? He sure. definitely. Yeah, and I'm. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. He also learned how to fucking play with electricity and wires. He was very resourceful in the way he, like, he did his shit. He know? was really good at stereos, I heard. He can make them really loud and fucking... And the battery power and stuff. Oh, yeah. He, he definitely knew how to take those wires, clip them, and electrocute you. Let's not talk about his knowledge of like where he can stick rods. We, we, we'll get into that. We'll get into the... Sticking of things into places. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. So he was stationed at Fort Benning, Georgia, to train as a radio paraman for his permanent. Credence Clearwater Revival's fucking playing, <laughs> fucking Vietnam's raging. No, nah, he actually doesn't go to Vietnam. He doesn't see combat. Oh. <laughs> He, he like Scratch he actually hated this shit so bad though that like he tried to like get disarmed but discharged and it took like him a good while before like the army would just say shit here you go and give him an honorable discharge instead. Though I have heard the army is where he had his first homosexual encounter. <laughs> <laughs> he found a boy. Or was it his first encounter with a, you know, full-grown adult? Because it sounds like he might have killed a boy back in Indiana. <laughs> but it didn't work out. And also, um, didn't he also, like, at one point try to blow up a, like, a bus station? Dean Coral? <laughs> I do not think Dean Coral will try to blow up a bus station. Not like on a major thing with someone like at the military, like said someone fire once. I don't think that was him. Damn, I may have I, I think that's <laughs> another story you should find out so I can read. <laughs> Alright. Well, yes, after he uh, got discharged from the army, though, he returned to Houston Heights to go work in his family's candy company, the Coral Candy Company. You think they had sweet candies? You think it was good? Well, they got the pecan prince. <laughs> I heard he was really good at the. What also is it pecan or pecan? I say both. You say times. either way. It depends on how southern I'm feeling. It. Well, depending <laughs> on what type of southern I'm feeling that day. It's nothing but a southern thing, pecan. Well, the pecan prince was his stepfather's company, but and oddly enough. His uh, mother and him got to retain the name Coral for the Coral Candy Company. Well, his last name is Coral, right? Yeah. And so they have, so now him and his uh, Dean Coral and his mother have now a rival business with the stepfather's business. 
And for a while, like, his stepfather still dominated the candy business. But eventually, Dean Coral's charm wins everybody in the community over, and their business starts booming. Which makes his stepfather quite angry. <laughs> <laughs> they do get into some competition. I like this. This is fun. This is fun. Uh, his success, especially with the children, and earned him the name the Pied Piper. <laughs> as well as the Candyman. That's not as good as Candyman. No, but it, it does definitely telling. <laughs> and, but, come on, Candyman is fucking horrifying, you know what I mean? Also, I don't know if we mentioned this, but this is like one of the most scariest true crime stories we'll ever fucking talk about. Especially if you're a boy. Because I know me as the person I am, I could have easily been a victim to Dean Coral. And I know Siege could have easily been a victim to Dean Coral. Because we were both cute, strapping young lads. He liked to drink and smoke hella weed that would hang out with people who were 10 years older than us if they had a car and fucking weed. I can relate. <laughs> we we may not attend the Lakewood show, but we... we we were alive today. We served our time. We paired that to society. We did. <laughs> and so, at some point in the back of his candy company, bailing success with the young teenage male population in his community, eventually installs a pool table in the back of the camp of his company. That's cool. To hang out. That's cool. Yeah, I'd hang out. You eat fucking eat, playing pool with fucking lollipops sticking out your mouth like they're fucking cigarettes. You know what I mean? Back in the day, <coughs> old school. Yeah. And everybody begins to trust him. As I said, people used to like think he was like really well respected and well trusted in the community. People said they would trust him more than the Boy Scouts, even church leaders. You knew, like you needed if you had a problem, you needed help, like with the flat tire thing. He would be there to help you if he could. Like, if you had a problem, he would be a well-friendly, seem like a well-adjusted person to talk to. Even his co-workers talked highly of him. Though this is around the time that the co-workers started to kind of notice Dean being a little, a little flirty with the young employees of the candy well, factory. Well, when you keep a lot of young teenage males in your company when you're already kind of like... Uh, adult like pushing 30? I don't think he's pushing 30 yet. He was 33 when he died in 73. Alright, so he's still like in his late 20s. Like, mid to late 20s. He was probably your age, you sicko. Well, like, <laughs> even to me, because, like, you know, I was telling you today, like, like when it comes to like, like being with people like I wouldn't even like being 27 going 28 I wouldn't want to be with anybody at 21 so you know well you're also not a pedophile serial killer yeah so like you know all I'm saying like if you see like a man my age like keeping in the company of like teenagers call the police yeah. <laughs> there's something going on there yo like that's not healthy call the police or just beat them up and be like, where's the bodies? Tell me where the bodies are. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, this is when he also started to have a, a room behind in the back of a candy factory called the Pouting Room. Now, Siege, what do you think he did in the Pouting Room? 
you just pouting. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Like a crying room. Like they were definitely that kind of person. You think you would let just let it build up in him and he goes to the pouting room and hissy fits his way for a few hours? Probably. Like, I could see him being a person who, like, just needs to go into a room, like, when he's frustrated about some shit. Like, I could see him being easily upset about stuff, being, like, on edge, just, like, trying to keep that calm demeanor, but, like, blowing up, like. Yeah. I mean, what you talking about? You know, he's always on edge. He runs a candy shop with his mom. <laughs> that sounds kind of fun. Well, when you're also trying to get away with the rape Rip. and murder of, te- of teenage yeah, boys. I got some in the car. I mean, <laughs> what is that? Mike's <laughs> hard. That stuff around. <laughs> this is the open mic. Mike's hard. Damn, that sounds like something Dean Coral would give the young boys. <laughs> oh. Damn. Spike, spike the grapes. <laughs> but also, Dean Cor- did we mention Dean Coral did see no combat and he got discharged pretty soon after joining the military? Yeah, like, okay. he, he requested for his uh, discharge. He tried I gotta to- go help run the candy factory! <laughs> well, he failed at running. Y'all laugh now, just wait. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> but so like eventually he starts getting his own like he's got his own place above and he gets to know some people and he, as we said he's starting to get on there just seeing some people so before we go a little too deep let's bring in some other characters now are we bringing in this four eyed fucking nerd looking he actually does look like a victim. Yeah. I don't want to say he's a victim, but he does look like a victim. And the one who stayed the most quiet in all the situation, because while Elmer was the talker, this boy who very much had a lot to do with this. More than he wants to admit. More than he wants to admit, yeah. That's a very good way of putting it. Um, this, he'd been there before even Elmer. Also, by the way, before we get any further... I do not think David Brooks or Emma Wayne Henley are, like, victims or anything. Like, I understand that David Brooks was groomed, but they partook in these activities and they liked it. And we'll get into why this is also so fucked up and why if it was so fucked up they could have stopped. But we'll, we'll get into this in a moment. So we're going to bring in, you've already mentioned his name, David Brooks. Yeah. Coral befriended the 12 year old David Owen Brooks in 1967. And his back, David Brooks' background hasn't always been the best. No, his dad didn't like him. He came from what you can call a broken home. And, you know, his school life was definitely lonely. And I'm not sure if there's mention of bullying, but I wouldn't have been surprised, by judging by his character at least. Um. Yeah, and eventually he finds his way. Some kids start to notice him. That he, like, gives money that, you know, most kids around wouldn't have. He, you know, he's a loner type. So, like, why does this strange kid have all this money? So, he starts coming up with, like, a few nice things every now and then. And eventually um, he gets a really nice car. And here, here's a good quote. Here's a good quote from David Brooks' attorney, Jim Skelton. Quote, 
He told me Dean was the first adult who didn't make fun of him. Dean didn't call him a sissy. David idolized him. Sad. Your best friend of the world is Dean Coral. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so friends start noticing it. And this also kind of gets Elmer's attention too. So. Well, They're kind of, they are friends. But I also, feel like Elmer was almost a victim. And this is what we're going to start getting into because Elmer and David Brooks have known each other, you know, being from the same community. So they're both from the Heights. They grew, you know, being in the same school system. They're both being kids from broken homes. He starts even noticing that David Brooks has some money, like, that most, as I said, most kids around would have. And he seems to be driving a nice car. And most kids around wouldn't have a car. Not even their parents in that area for most you would have a car. Just... Yeah, didn't he get like a fucking Corvette or something? Yeah. Well, that that was after... Actually, he got the Corvette because he walked in on Dean Coral with two young boys tied up in his bed while he <laughs> was... um before uh, like Nate and David Bro I mean, what, Elmer, though, because he, didn't he have the car before he met Elmer? He did, and he got the car because he walked in into Dean Coral's apartment where he hung out and lived for, you know, on and off, and found Dean Coral with two young boys strapped to the bed in the middle of, uh... The no-no... No, okay, you know what? We've already gotten, like, over 30 minutes in this. It was rape. He was raping him and murdered him. Okay, we're 30 minutes in this. There ain't no point in me being like, no, no, no. No, it's brutal fucking rape, torture, We warned murder. y'all, this is harsh shit. And this is where we get into how David Brooks has these connections with money and things. Because it also plays the part, because there's also speculation David Brooks himself could have been a victim. Why well, not? But he just somehow made it. And I will say, at least, I will, I will say David Brooks more of a victim than Wayne Elmer Wayne Hanley, but we'll get into that. We'll, we'll, get, there, we'll get there. And there's a good chance that Dean Corp preyed on his loneliness, and you know. There's like, you know, that David Brooks probably sucked off Dean Coral. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, no, it, it was the, no, other, it was the other, way other way around. Yeah, 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 we, yeah I read that, yeah. Uh, Dean Coral sucked him off, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the other way around. I was, I was, like, we were laughing at that when I was reading it the other day. How could you laugh like, at that? Because, no, just because it's like he sucks somebody off and then they become, like, you his, his thing. But it's like, I'll suck your dick and you'll be my, like, Best friend. My partner, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's a now, he's a like monster. A <laughs> now, when you're like, a grown man, you're like our age, like t doing this to like a fourteen. Well, yeah, but it's like a power bottom kind of move too, in a way. <laughs> oh, the power bottom of a the power bottom of a year or whatever. I forgot his name. Richard. Was that Richard? Maybe. <laughs> we're not talking about Crowley we're talking about Coral you think Coral could have been a power bottle <laughs> no he like he had, I think he probably liked control and power too much to be a power bottom but he was he was at least willing to suck off young boys though and put and at least go down on his knees for him yeah that's odd cause <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was kind of weird you know? yeah that's odd cause why, why does he like 
Like, I had heard a rumor that he eventually did rape David Burks a few times, but I don't. I guess it's not a rumor. I think Wayne Hanley said it. I've read so much about this shit, it's all clogged in my fucking brain like a fucking evil, pedophile, <laughs> yucky stew just fucking <laughs> forming in there, man. It's just ready to spew out. You know... <laughs> This and the Bobardella episode is some of the yuckiest, ickiest, disgusting episodes we'll probably, like, discuss. Well, as we said, getting back to the subject a bit, um, David Brooks, you know, having caught Dean Coral at the speculation, is getting money stuff, and he's friends with uh, Elmer Wayne Henley. So we bring Elmer into this story officially now, even though we teased him at the beginning. He's a very main character, as we said, he would be the one to go. This is kind of like a movie, ain't it? It was from the debate. Oh no. We just got them. Oh my yeah, god. Take it, take it back, for real. <laughs> oh my god, I thought like, you we said... Li- we literally just got these at the vape shop by I thought, you, I thought you said rape and not vape, and I was so confused. <laughs> We're gonna have to put a parental parental advisory warning on this episode. <laughs> we're probably about to split this episode in parts. That too. How, how far are we are right like now? Fifty minutes. Fifty oh, minutes. <laughs> Damn. Well, let's get ready to bring in our subject. I guess and we'll end on that. And we're gonna bring in Elmer Wayne Hanley, then end it on that. Yeah, that way we had the stage set. Alright, I work. Players in motion. <laughs> Alright. So, we could bring in how, as I said, David Brooks is known Elmer Wayne Henley through high school. Elmer Wayne Henley also comes from a broken home. There's a good bit of story of him like being abused by his own stepfather. No, that's his actual father, ain't it? Yeah, this is. Oh, no. Yeah, his actual father, yeah, I believe, was the abusive one in Wayne Henley's life. And so, they, you know, David Brooks and Wayne Henley get the both rope kids from broken homes, but, you know, trying to make it a better life, but they're both kind of outcasts in their, in their place, you know, where they're from. And, you know, as I said, Elmer eventually notices David Brooks is getting this stuff, so they kind of ask him, Wayne, man, where are you getting this money? And... Eventually, David Brooks initially doesn't want to talk about it. You know, he kind of thinks that what Elmer Wayne Henry is a friend. And around this time, also, some of their friends have gone missing. And Elmer doesn't know this. I don't know if he's been putting up help signs around this time just yet. He was helping with that, but this is also before he became an accomplice. Uh, this is what I'm trying to lay out the groundwork for. Also, by the way, the double murder victims that we mentioned, David Brooks walking in. I believe um, those two victims' names were Jimmy Glass and Danny Yates. And uh, I got some, I got the, the, we'll talk about, we'll keep continuing talking about Wayne Henley a little bit, but we'll end the episode with a a next double murder. Alright. So, as I mentioned, Elmer Wayne Henley so started casual. to ask... What? <laughs> You're so casual about it. Okay, boy. All right. We went on a double murder. 
Well, that's how desensitized we are to everything. We really are. It, it's, I don't know if this is health issue. I'll go see a therapist about all this. <laughs> he probably said. Go talk to your therapist about Dean Coral. <laughs> Boy, do we have a story to tell. <laughs> hey, you want to listen to this podcast? Me and my friends did about the snoot. <laughs> Maybe this could help you get to know me a little better in my problems. <laughs> it's all kind of patient, uh, doctor confidentiality. They can't tell. Yeah, anybody. we got some NDAs going on here. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so as we, uh, Elmer's starting to like ask Brooks about where he's getting the money from, the car, and all of this. And he's like, it's just because he wants the money too. Like, I think also kind of help out his mom, but also to help out himself. He's an interesting girl. Wants to kind of get out. He's noticed other people doing shit. He's, uh, uh, he's uh, kind of got to end with these people, but not really at the same time. Well, uh, look, 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 look. Before we get more into, we got we got time to really get into it because, you know, one of his first victims he brought over there was one of his best friends. That's so. True. Okay, before we get into that, let's just end the episode with the next double murder before Wayne Hanley gets involved, okay? Alright. Okay, because this is brutal. This is fucked. <laughs> okay. On January 30th, 1971, Donald Wardrop, 15, and his younger brother Jerry, 13, disappeared going to a local bowling alley. They were lured, lured into Dean Quirrell's Echolon van with a promise of marijuana. Before the evening was over, they would be tied to Quirrell's torture board, cuffed, cuffed one boy by one, hand and ankle on the side of a board. As part of the torture, now this is, this is where it gets fucked up, okay? Warning, this is where it gets fucked up. As part of the torture... The brothers were told that one sibling who managed to beat the other to death, still handcuffed by one hand on the board, would be freed. The two spent the day struggling to beat their each. The two spent the day struggling to beat their brother using their one free hand until they were both almost dead. Damn. And that's where we're gonna end the episode. So, we got how many dead boys up to this point now? <laughs> um. Dead, we need a oh, dead We don't even know because, like, the thing about all this, though, is we don't really know much about how the true extent of how much he's gone because there's still a possible period where he's been killing this whole town up from where you talked about and they found the body underneath Indiana all the way up mm-hmm. to where he got involved with David Brooks. And. There's possibly, like, involvement where he's been involved in murdering kids, you know, around there and elsewhere. Okay, up to this point, up to this point, as far as we know, it's five. One one Jeffrey Allen Conan, he was uh, the first victim that we talked about where we, I was like, he kind of probably knew, he killed someone before because they found him wrapped in plastic and lime. Then the double murder that David Brooks walked in on, and the double murder of the two brothers fighting, beating each other to death. So, five so far. That's what we got into. We need a dead boy counter. <laughs> <laughs> and so we just go into a little bit of the torture stuff you would do. Well, it's 
let's give a little bit of the torture. For the ender, well, for the ender. Well, let's give a little knowledge. Let's drop some knowledge about the torture board. So, besides the torture board, Dean would use pliers and tweezers to pluck pubic hair from his victims. <laughs> He, why do you think that's funny? <laughs> <laughs> he would, you know, electrocute him with radios. He had an 18 inch double dildo. God only knows what was used for that. He would, he, he would repeatedly you, rape him. <laughs> also, Dean, we didn't mention this, but once his mother kind of left town to move to Colorado, he got employed at the Houston Electric company power and lighting or whatever he would steal the little tubes the little glass rods from uh that they used uh what do they use those for siege the little glass tubes or a power i thought you were talking oh the egg conduit and uh, like they used for like vacuum tubes and stuff oh so you think dean Corbin could have built like a dope ass amp yeah 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 (laughs) he could have that's what he was in the army for but he would take these tiny little glass tubes and shove them into his victim's urethra and snap them off. Didn't you have to do that with the thermometer? Oh, Maybe. That's kinky. <laughs> Mercury in that dick. Mercury in that dick. And that's only some. We'll get into the rest later. Most of the victims are strangled or shot in the head by a twenty-two pistol. Um, you know, their next episode... It will be more carnage, more mayhem, more disgusting stuff. More dead boys. I'll even get I'll even get seeds to research the pedophile connections, and we'll get into like John Norman and maybe a little John Wayne Gacy because well, John Wayne Gacy, Dick Rat, Dick Road, Dean Coral. He's a fucking copycat. We're gonna say this right here and now. Yeah, Dick, John Wayne Gacy's a fucking poser, and he ripped off Dean Coral. <laughs> That was one of his influences. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. Well, well hey, so, so should we end the episode with a happy song or something? Well, oh. <coughs> Dead boys. We, we're just, we just ended it on all the torture, so. Well, I'll, I'll find something <coughs> to play at the end of this so we can kind of relax and cleanse ourselves. Take yourselves a nice bath. Use a nice uh, exfoliator. We can play the Mr. Rogers song. (laughs) Evan, pray that Mr. Rogers doesn't have a bunch of dead boys in his neighborhood. You fear Mr. Rogers? No, I think Mr. Rogers is one of the last pure, good human beings on the face of of Earth. Like Art Bell and... That's um, what you told me. I saw you like looking at your door earlier for Mr. Rogers. <laughs> you were almost you almost looked like you were tw- I tweaked. Dude, don't bring Mr. Rogers into this bullshit, man. <laughs> what about Captain Kangaroo? Was he solid? Oh, we can't talk about that. That's legal issues with my, like serious shit wrapped up in that. We're not even legally allowed to talk about that. Really? Okay. In the episode. Alright, y'all, well, I, I wish I could say it's been fun, but it, uh, take it as you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
This has been, of course, another episode of It Came From The Shed. Again, it's been your host, Siege. I'm Goose. We got Conway Shitty. What's up, y'all? And we got Paige here. So, uh, Paige laughing at the most inappropriate <laughs> shit. <laughs> you want me to come pick you up? We've just been chilling here, so thank you. hope you've been okay, chilling cool. with us. Preach. Just making sure. Good night or good day. Okay. Stay spooky.